pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Racism is painful. It hurts our identity, suppresses our talents, and can lead to bodily injury. In America, racial discrimination was the force behind slavery and segregation among the states. After the assassination of Martin Luther King in 1968, America was struck with the most widespread rioting, fires, and battles between the public and the police ever recorded in history. Many wonder how far we've come since that time in terms of racism and civil rights for American blacks. How about racial disparities in understanding and treating pain? Science tells us that we don't respond to the pain of others equally. For example, when we see somebody in pain, it triggers the same pathways in our brains that are activated when we ourselves are hurt. But research also tells us that we may respond more dramatically to seeing white people in pain than we do black people. In fact, another study showed that both whites and blacks assumed that blacks felt less pain than whites. All of this highlights the lack of empathy for each other, which may be the real source of racism. We're joined today by Faith Ringgold, Professor Emeritus at the University of California, San Diego. She's a celebrated and award-winning African-American artist. Faith's works appear in museums such as the Guggenheim, Metropolitan Museum of Art, and the Museum of Modern Art. Her compositions have documented the changes in American society from civil rights and onward. For many years, Faith's been an activist against racism and an advocate for the feminist movement. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, The Pain Community, and Depot Med Incorporated. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Faith Ringgold is a painter, writer, mixed-media sculptor, and performance artist. She's especially well-known for her painted story quilts, and she's a prolific author of children's books. Faith, welcome to Aches and Gains. Hi, nice to be here. You've worked for about 60 years documenting the changes in American society from civil rights and beyond. How have you done that through art? As you may know, art is about life. Mm -hmm. People take from their own experience, from their own environment, from their own lives, and I take from my own story to create my art. And I then started thinking about my story and painting images of black and white people and the issues that 
were raised at that time. And Faith, what was the inspiration behind your your well-known painted story quilts? In 1980, I did my first painted quilt. Mm -hmm. And I made that because I had a gallery. My work was becoming very popular. And I wanted to paint big pictures. And I wanted them to be able to travel easily. Mm -hmm. My paintings were on canvas, in big crates, heavy, expensive to move, problematic, okay? Mm -hmm. I thought, boy, if I could paint these pictures, but paint them in a way that I could roll them up and ship them all over the world easily, that would be great. I, I was still painting on canvas, but not stretching. I would line them with other canvas on the back and stitch them together and roll them. That's the quilt. Wow, I mean, ingenious. What's the message behind the quilts? It's my life. My life. Which is what most artists tell their life in different ways. Mm -hmm. Some do it for just maybe colors and shapes and this and that. That is my message. There's a lot to see. I've written my autobiography, We Flew Over the Bridge, The Memoirs of Faith Ringgold. Go get a copy. (laughs) And Faith, though, for those who will not have a chance to read your autobiography or see your painted story quilt. Why? Why not? Who are they? (laughs) (laughs) Or or read any of your popular children's books. I mean, what are you trying to convey? What What is your message through your art? I am here... I am not going anywhere without leaving tracks and traces. That's power, and I love it. That's why I became an artist. Right. Uh, Faith, when we see someone in pain, it triggers the same pathways in our brains that are activated when we ourselves are hurt, but we don't respond to the pain of others equally. Research, for example, has shown that when viewers see white people receiving a painful stimulus like a needle, they respond more dramatically than they do for black people. And this highlights a real lack of empathy that can lead to racial disparities in understanding and treating pain. So I wonder whether a lack of empathy for each other is really central to the cause of racism. What, what have you experienced? The minute you begin to start sectioning off people black and white, I think there's a problem Yeah, right there. Because, first of all, there are no white people. And I'm sure you must really know that. There are people who are whiter than others, but there aren't any white people. There are black people. I know that man was born in Africa. Jesus was black. People are shades of black today. And whenever they're going to realize that, I don't know. How about slavery that came and bought the ships and got a lot of uh, slaves, Africans, from Africa and distributed them all over the world? Mm -hmm. That was not smart for the racists. Because other than that, this whole business of integration would have been much Slower. Yeah. Where would America be today without 400 years of black history? Mm-hmm. And Faith, how does education affect racism? I mean, does it produce more empathy among the races? Oh, I think that there's more understanding that we're not that different. People are pretty much the same. It's better to just realize that and not, not try to pretend that you're better than somebody. Because you're probably not. And it's kind of silly, especially after all these hundreds and thousands of years of seeing the facts. You know, it's, it's one people in the world, really. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, Faith, I mentioned in the introduction that 
some wonder how far we've actually come since the 1960s in terms of racism and civil rights for American blacks. How has empathy for the black community changed since then? I think black people have been ingenious at creating ways to bring equality to black people. I think I think we've had some wonderful leadership, and we now have a president whose mother is white, to show you what I mean about the black and white thing. Mm-hmm. How the hell did he do that? Well, a lot of people realize, let's get the best person we can find, and let's stop this business, because there weren't any white people that were better than him. And I'm, I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen, what's coming up. Mm-hmm. You mean uh, with Hillary Clinton? Is there going to be somebody better than Hillary? Because, you know, women are another thing they don't want. There's a lot of sexism as well as racism. And it looks to me like Hillary is the girl, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. People are like that. The color of one's skin and their sex seem to be great dividers. Yeah. You know, there's nothing greater than that. Right. So how are you ever going to get them to stop it? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. And I wonder what fuels the continual division between the races and sexes. Well, because they keep trying for a better way to get somewhere without trying. How's that? <laughs> They'd like to be just born into success. Right. I'm better than you because I was born here on this street. You know, it's easier. Mm-hmm. In the case of the color and the sex, it's worked. Yeah. So why not just keep trying that? And that way I don't have to do a whole lot of work to really be better, huh? To really be the best there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really something to think about. And how is racism today different from the 1950s? I mean, how does it manifest today? I would say it's less prevalent, of course. I'm older. I'm 83 now, so I, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of it I don't come in contact with anymore because mm-hmm. I'm not a young person. Right. Where you live is still pretty segregated. Uh, right. I know when I moved here, that was my coming to Jones Road, and, and all the people came out to try to stop me from building my studio here because uh, I was black, and they made up lies about why, but it was really about that. And there, there aren't any more black people in this neighborhood now, and that's 21 years later. Mm. So I don't know that it's better. Harlem it seems to be integrating a lot, but it's white people moving into black space. And black people have never objected to that. So, you know, I don't really, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, Faith, you've been a strong activist for civil rights since the 1960s. And after the assassination of Martin Luther King in 1968, America was struck with widespread rioting, fires, blood in the streets, and so on. And and this is somewhat reminiscent of the Ferguson, Missouri riots uh, over the course of the last uh, couple of months. Uh, You know, in fact, how far have we actually come since 1968 in terms of civil rights for American blacks? People forget, and they they go back to doing the things or not doing some of the things that they should be doing to keep this racism from rearing its ugly head. Yeah. You know, and... uh, you, you just have to be reminiscent that people will do some mean things sometimes and be careful. And sometimes parents try to, I'm sure with their boys, they try to help them to be safe because they know about the black boys in prison and how they get beat up and killed and all. And uh, they try to make them understand, but it's hard to make children understand. Mm-hmm. So each generation, there is a setback. This is an accumulation of setbacks that we see in Ferguson. But what happens is that people will have to rise up and pay attention. 
and it'll get a little bit better each time. That's all I can say. Exactly. I think the hope is that it will get better each time. Stay tuned. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Faith about whether racism is less pervasive today than it was when she was young. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Teva, a leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Laboratories, a leader in the science of toxicology and pharmacogenetics, is transforming the way healthcare professionals monitor and manage their patients' medication therapy. Through the use of advanced technology supported by research and education, Millennium helps practitioners personalize care for patients. For more information, please visit www.millenniumlabs.com My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare Connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit mylifepatientproject.com and dc2healthcare.com Welcome back. We're joined by Faith Ringgold, celebrated and award-winning African-American artist. Faith, you know, racism is painful, and we've been talking about that. And, I, and I'm wondering whether racism is less pervasive or present today than it was when you were young. When I graduated from college, there weren't, at the City College, for instance, there were very few black people there. Yeah. You know, I was the only black person in the art department. Mm. That's not the case now. So I think things have gotten a little bit better because there are more people, too. Right. And I think the population of black people in America has risen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to encourage some improvement. Right. I don't know that it's great, but it's, it's some. You know, Faith, one of the core beliefs in the Judeo-Christian tradition is that we're all made in the image and likeness of God. To reject somebody because of their skin color is to reject an aspect of God. Do you think that that theological argument has reduced the threat of racism at all? Uh, no, because Jesus was black, and yet he doesn't seem to do anything for, you know, I think racism is just nonsensical, because a lot of the people who are racist, they have known black people in their families, Mm -hmm. and they do it anyway. So they're part black, they know that, but yet they're still going to do it because, what, it works. Mm -hmm. It helps them get where they want to be. Yeah. You know, interestingly, there's another study that was done, and in this study, researchers found that whites, blacks, nurses, and nursing students all assumed that blacks felt less pain than whites. And this, in this study, uh, all were asked, all the participants were asked how much pain they would feel when experiencing painful events like stubbing your toe or getting shampoo in your eyes. So what was astonishing to me was that pain in blacks was underestimated. And I've often wondered whether that racial prejudice has led to more violence against blacks. Well, I, I don't know that, that there's any difference in the way people feel pain. I, I'm amazed at that. I'm not aware of that. If I were inflicting pain on somebody, I would certainly want to think that it wasn't as painful as it is because I feel guilty. And I think guilt is big. Anybody who's doing anything painful to somebody has to feel guilty about it. 
So they might pretend that, oh, this is not that bad. Those people are used to that. They've never had anything anyway. They've never this, that, the other. So I'm not sure that I pay attention to what those kind of people have to say. At the same time, it was astounding that both blacks and whites assumed that blacks felt less pain than whites. I think black people as a group are upset about the pain inflicted on their own people. And so they might have a tendency to, to pretend that it's not as bad as it is. Mm-hmm. There's hardly anything more painful, I would say, to people in the world than being rejected on sight. Yeah, very, very true. And Faith, you know, I wonder, too, because in this study, it was assumed that blacks felt less pain, whether that's led people to believe that blacks simply don't feel much pain and therefore it's okay to inflict more pain upon them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It relieves them of the guilt and the wrongdoing that they are doing because they don't feel it anyway. And they're nobody anyhow, and they're nothing, Mm -hmm. and they're this, that, the other. So you can't really go by these people and what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And how would you explain why those blacks who were participating in this study felt less empathy toward other blacks? Well, they probably want to be on the side of the white people who are in that study. Some people want to agree with their people who they work with, uh, their compatriots. A lot of people don't want to stand up and be counted. They don't want to stand up and tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And so they will go along with whatever's being said. But they know damn good and well black people suffer a lot of pain because they're the ones who hear about it in their families and among their friends, the painful experiences of rejection that black people grow up with. Mm -hmm. They know everything there is to know about it. So I'm sorry. I don't believe it. Yes, rejection is painful, and so is a lack of empathy for each other. Faith, what about racism within the black community? Why not? Black people are all shades of racism. They're all shades of the mixture, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. So they find ways to, you know, mess with each other on those levels. Why not? Yeah. People will do what they can do, what they can get away with doing. Not all people, but there are some who will. Yeah. Stay with us, because after the break, we'll talk to Faith about how to overcome this pain of racism. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. DepoMed Incorporated, a specialty pharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing products to treat pain and other central nervous system conditions. Purdue Pharma making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Faith, how do we overcome racism? I mean, what do you think? Well, you know, we're not going to turn into the Lord. (laughs) We can only do the best we can and and realize that we all have faults and that everybody is trying to get over some kind of way. I don't think the main problem that black people have is other black people. No. I think that what they do is is minor. What about the researchers that also determined that assumptions about blacks may have led to the feeling that 
they, that is blacks, feel less pain, which of course isn't true. For example, the more privilege that was assumed of the person, the more pain was perceived by the study participant. And the more hardship that was assumed, the less pain was perceived by the participant in the study. So overall, the study found that people assumed that blacks feel less pain because they have faced more hardship. How do you feel about that? Yeah, and they're not important anyway. I think that people can say, well, look, they're poor, they're black, they're not important. They, you know, they, it really doesn't matter what they feel. They don't feel anything about that. They, uh, whatever it is, it's not as bad as it could be. Mm-hmm. They're not sympathetic. It's lack of sympathy that I think is, is out there. Right. And sometimes it's, it's very painful to be sympathetic for one's own people. Because you feel like, oh, my God, why can't I do something about this? And you can't. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot involved there uh, that is hard. It's, It's very, very difficult. Yeah, no, it is hard. And in this study, Faith, the researchers found that people assume that relative to whites, blacks feel less pain because they faced more hardship. What do you think? I think they feel that blacks have, have undergone a lot of hardship, yes, but that they feel less pain, they made that up on their own. No, there's nothing to, dis- to, uh, to suggest that. No, and, I, and I've not heard black people say that, uh, this is easy, that's not painful. No, I've, I've, I've heard stories upon stories upon stories of hardships and hard lives lived by black people in America. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's scary that these assumptions, that is the assumptions that were discovered in the study, led to discrimination, especially in believing that blacks are less sensitive to pain because we simply know that's not true. And Faith, how have blacks been hardened by racism? Well, you know, things can get worse. (laughs) Can get even worse. And they understand... They have to struggle. Struggle is normal. Struggle is normal, and things can get worse. And there's not going to be too much sympathy for failure. So I think all of these things are things that we try to teach our children Mm -hmm. so that they will not have bad experiences in life, looking for some sympathy that's not there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you, for example, have experienced racism in your life. How did you succeed in moving beyond that to accomplish so much? I'm persistent. I refuse to turn around. I am going to get where I am going. It took me 15 years to get my autobiography, We Flew Over the Bridge, The Memoirs of Faith Ringgold, published. I refuse to stop. Just because somebody else says, somebody else is going, I decided that that is the height of freedom. Yeah. To be able to tell your story mm-hmm. and not have someone else tell it for you. Right, exactly. Somebody else who decides Oh, this is the story of a black woman in America. No, no, you don't tell my story. I do that. Mm-hmm. I was determined to do it. And I did it because I refused to stop trying. 
Good for you. And, and remember, the name of the book is We Flew Over the Bridge, The Memoirs of Faith Ringgold, where she shares the story of her life and how she overcame many prejudices. Please join us when we continue talking to Faith about racial disparities, how it influences our perception of pain, and the hope for ending racial disparities in society. Faith Ringgold, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Well, thank you. And keep doing the good work you're doing. Well, thank you. I'll give it my best. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.